My blood hath been too cold and temperate, unapt to stir at these indignities, and you have found me. For accordingly you tread upon my patience. But be sure I will from henceforth rather be myself, mighty and to be feared, than my condition, which hath been smooth as oil, soft as young down, and therefore lost that title of respect, which the proud soul ne'er pays but to the proud. Our house, my sovereign liege, little deserves the scourge of greatness to be used on it, and that same greatness too which our own hands have helped to make so portly. M my lord. Worcester, get thee gone, for I do see danger and disobedience in thine eye. Oh, sir, your presence is too bold and peremptory and majesty might never yet endure the moody frontier of a servant brow. You have good leave to leave us. When we need your use and counsel, we shall send for you. You are about to speak? Yea, my good lord. Those prisoners in your highness's name demanded, which Harry Percy here at Holmden took, were as he says, not with such strength denied as is delivered to your majesty. Either envy, therefore, or misprison is guilty of this fault, and not my son. My liege, I did deny no prisoners, but I remember when the fight was done, when I was dry with rage and extreme toil, breathless and faint, leaning upon my sword, came there a certain lord, neat and trimly dressed, fresh as a bridegroom, <laughs> and his chin new reap showed like a stubble land at harvest home. He was perfumed like a milliner, and twixt his finger and his thumb, he held a poncet botch, was ever in a nun, he gave his nose and took it away again, who therewith angry when next it came there, took it in snuff. Still he smiled and talked, and as the soldiers bore dead bodies by, he called them untaught knaves, unmannerly, to bring a slovenly, unhandsome corpse betwixt the wind and his nobility. <laughs> I mean, with many holiday and lady terms, questioned me, amongst the rest, demanded my prisoners in your majesty's behalf. I then, all smarting with my wounds being cold, to be so pestered with a popinjay out, out of my grief and my impatience answered neglectingly, I know not what he should or he should not, for he made me so mad to see him shine so brisk and smell so sweet and talk so like a gem waiting gentlewoman of guns and drums and wounds, God save the mark, and telling me the southern thing on earth was palmacity for an inward bruise and that it was a great pity, so it was, this villainous saltpeter should be digged out of the bowels of the harmless earth, which many a good tall fellow had destroyed so cowardly, and, but for these vile guns, he himself would have been a soldier. Uh, this bald, unjointed chat of his, my lord, I answered 
indirectly, as I said. And I beseech you, let not his report come current for an accusation betwixt my love and your high majesty. The circumstance considered, good my lord, whate'er Lord Harry Percy then had said to such a person and in such a place at such a time with all the rest retold may reasonably die and never rise to do him wrong or in any way impeach what then he said so he unsay it now. Well, yet he doth deny his prisoners, but with proviso and exception that we at our own charge shall ransom straight his brother-in-law, the foolish Mortimer who on my soul hath willfully betrayed the lives of those that he did lead to fight against that great magician, Damned Glendower, whose daughter, as we hear, that Earl of March hath lately married. Shall our coffers then be emptied to redeem a traitor home? <laughs> Shall we buy treason and indent with fears when they have lost forfeited themselves? No, on the barren mountains, let him starve, for I shall never hold that man my friend, whose tongue shall ask me for one penny cost to ransom home revolted Mortimer. Revolted Mortimer? He never did fall off, my sovereign liege, but by the chance of war. To prove that true needs no more but one tongue for all those wounds, those mouthed wounds, which valiantly he took when on the gentle Severn sedgy bank in single opposition, hand to hand, he did confound the best part of an hour in changing hardiment with the great Glendower. Three times they breathed and three times did they drink upon agreement of swift Severn's flood. Then, affrighted with their bloody looks, ran fearfully among trembling reeds and hid his crisp head in the hollow bank, blood stained with these valiant combatants. Never did bare and rotten policy color her working with such deadly wounds, nor never could the noble Mortimer receive so many and all willingly. Then let not him be slandered with revolt. Thou dost belie him, Percy. Thou dost belie him. He never did encounter with Glendower. I tell thee, he durst as well have met the devil alone as Owen Glendower for an enemy. Art thou not ashamed? But, Sarah, henceforth, let me not hear you speak of Mortimer. Send me your prisoners with the speediest means or you shall hear in such a kind from me as will displease you. My Lord, Northumberland, we license your departure with your son. Send us your prisoners or you will hear of it. And if the devil come and roar for them. I will not send them. I will after straight and tell him so, for I will ease my heart. I'll bet I make a hazard of my head. What? Drunk with collar. Stay and pause a while. Here comes your uncle. Speak, 
of Mortimer? Zounds, I will speak of him and let my soul want mercy if I do not join with him. Yeah, on his part, I'll empty all these veins and shed my dear blood drop by drop in the dust, but I will lift the downtrod Mortimer as high in the air as this unthankful king, as this ingrate and cankered Bolingbroke. Brother, the king hath made your nephew mad. Who struck this heat up after I was gone? He will forsooth have all my prisoners. And when I urge the ransom once again of my wife's brother, then his cheek looked pale. And on my face, he turned an eye of death, trembling in at the name of Mortimer. I cannot blame him. Was not he proclaimed by Richard that dead is the next of blood? He was. I heard the proclamation. And then it was when the unhappy king, whose wrongs in us, God pardon, did set forth upon his Irish expedition from whence he, intercepted, did return to be deposed and shortly murdered. And for whose death we in the world's wide mouth live scandalized and foully spoken of. Sock, pray you, did King Richard then proclaim my brother Edward Mortimer? Heir to the crown? He did. I heard it myself. Nay, then, I cannot blame his cousin king that wished him on the barren mountain starve. But shall it be that you that set the crown upon the head of this forgetful man, and for his sake wear the detested blot of this of murderous subordination, shall it be that you a world of curses undergo, being the agents or base second means, the, the cords, the ladder, or the hangman, rather. Whoa, pardon me that I descend so low to show the line and predicament wherein you range under this subtle king. Shall it for shame be spoken in these days or fill up chronicles in time to come? that men of your nobility and power did gauge them both in an unjust behalf, as both of you, God pardon it, have done, to put down Richard, this sweet, lovely rose, and plant this thorn, this canker, Bolingbroke. And shall it more shame be further spoken that you are fooled, discarded, and shook off by him for whom the shames ye underwent? No. Yet, time serves wherein you may redeem your banished honors and restore yourselves into the good thoughts of the world again. Revenge the jeering and disdained contempt of this proud king who studies day and night to answer all the debt he owes to you, Ian, with the bloody payment of your debts. Therefore, I say peace. Cousin, say no more, and now I will unclasp a secret book, and to your quick conceiving discontents I'll read you matter deep and dangerous, as full of peril and adventurous spirit as to o'erwalk a current roaring loud on the unsteadfast footing of a spear. If he fall in, good night. Or sink, or swim. Send danger from the east unto the west. 
So honor, cross it from the north to the south and let them grapple. Oh, the blood more stirs to rouse a lion than to start a hare. Imagination of some great exploit drives him beyond the bounds of patience. By heaven, methinks it were an easy leap to pluck bright honor from the pale-faced moon or dive into the bottom of the deep where fathom line could never touch the ground and pluck up drowned honor by the locks so he that doth redeem her thence might wear without co-rival all her dignities. But out upon this half-faced fellowship he apprehends a world of figures here, but not the form of what he should attend. Good cousin, give me audience for a while. I cry you mercy. Those same noble Scots that are your prisoners? I'll keep them all. By God, he shall not have a Scot of them. No, if a Scot would save his soul, he shall not. I'll keep them. By this hand! You start away and lend no ear unto my purposes. Those prisoners you shall keep. Nay, I will! That's flat. He said he would not ransom Mortimer, forbade my tongue to speak of Mortimer. But I will find him when he lies asleep, and in his ear, I'll holla Mortimer! Nay, I'll have a starling shall be taught to speak nothing but Mortimer, and give it him to keep his anger still in motion. Hear you, cousin, a word. All, all studies here I solemnly defy, save how to gall and pinch this bawling brook. And that same sword and buckler, Prince of Wales, <laughs> but that I think his father loves him not, and would be glad he met with some mischance, I would have him poisoned with a pot of ale. Farewell, kinsman. I'll talk to you when you are better tempered to attend. Why? What a wasp-stung and impatient fool art thou to break into this woman's mood, tying thine ear to no tongue but thine own. What? Look you. I am whipped and scoured with rods, nettled and Stung with pismires when I hear of this vile politician, Bolingbroke. In Richard's time, what do you call the place? Oh, plague upon it. It's in Gloucestershire. Tis where the madcap duke his uncle kept. His uncle York. When I first bowed my knee unto this king of smiles, this Bolingbroke. Oh, Splut, where you and he came back from Ravensburg? At Berkeley Castle. You say true. Why, what a candy deal of courtesy this fawning greyhound then did proffer me. <laughs> Look when his infant fortune came to age, and gentle Harry Percy, and kind cousin. Ah! The devil takes such cousiners! God forgive me, good uncle, tell your tale. I have done. Nay, if you have not, to it again. We will stay your leisure. I have done. Faith. Then, once more to your Scottish prisoners. 
Deliver them up without their ransom straight, and make the Douglas's son your only mean for powers in Scotland, which, for diverse reasons, which I shall send you written, be assured will easily be granted. You, my lord, your son in Scotland, being thus employed, shall secretly into the bosom creep of that same noble prelate well-beloved, the Archbishop. Of York, is not? True. Who bears hard his brother's death at Bristol, the Lord Scroope. I speak not this in estimation, as what I think might be, but what I know is ruminated, plotted, and set down, and only stays but to behold the face of that occasion that shall bring it on. I smell it. Upon my life, I smell it. It will do well. Before the game is afoot, thou still let'st slip. Why, it cannot choose but be a noble plot. And then the power of Scotland and of York to join with Mortimer. Ha! And so they shall. In same faith, it is exceedingly well aimed. And tis no little reason bids us speed to save our heads by raising of a head. For bear ourselves as even as we can, the king will always think him in our debt, and think we think ourselves unsatisfied till he hath found a time to pay us home. And see already how he doth begin to make us strangers to his looks of love. He does. He does. We'll be revenged on him. Cousin, farewell. No further go in this than I by letters shall direct your course. When the time is ripe, which will be suddenly, I'll steal to Glendower and Lord Mortimer, where you and Douglas and our powers at once, as I will fashion it, shall happily meet to bear our fortunes in our own strong arms, which now we hold at much uncertainty. Farewell, good brother. We shall thrive, I trust. Uncle, adieu. Hmm... Let the hours be short, till fields and blows and groans applaud our sport.